Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones, and what you need is a good bloodletting. Uh, it's every time you talk, that's when I can hear the sander in the background. It's really. Funny. I'm sorry. So, guys, I apologize. This is going to be one of our best episodes ever. I'm just telling you that in advance. But uh, my Finnish carpenter, uh, who should know better, is in my hallway sanding. What about the tortoise? Oh, I saw little mama today. She Shut is the eating. Shut the gate. Yeah. We As got if that turtle's going to run out of the, the backyard. Dude, we got a whole home edition done. And that, that tortoise is still here. We survived it. Watch. It's just going to be one fluke accident where one of us leaves the gate open after like years of remodeling. This is like the Winchester mystery house. You never house. have to uh, feed the tortoise do you it just eats off your- no i feed her every time this is why she loves me i tickle her under the chin no joke so she knows it's me she sees my sandals if she sees me now she comes booking at like 0.5 mile an hour to come find me she does she'll see me and that's why andrew is always like your mistress she you know your girlfriend whatever because she loves me to death because every time i see her i make sure i have food and i give her food and i tickle her under the chin and it's like an identifier. And she's like, yeah, where's my food? You know, she sees so, my but sandals. But how often do you see her to feed her? Uh, depending on the time of year, um, almost daily. Really? Yeah. So you don't, yeah. well, I thought like there'd be weeks go by where you don't know where she is. No, there's days at most because I obsess. When I can't find this stupid tortoise, dude, I, I have been known to spend two hours looking for her. And then I find her. I'm like, there you are. And then you, you feel good. 
You know, because I'm always worried she got out because she also burrows and she she keeps wanting to put her burrow under the fence. And I'm always worried that it's going to cave in on the other side and or she's going to tunnel out and just be like freedom, be like Shawshank Redemption. And she's there bathing in the rain and she's gotten out and I'm like the warden and I'm all mad. And then I go to jail. No, you shoot yourself in the head. That's what the warden did. I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. I don't, uh, that's a little drastic, Pete. A little morbid. Hey, you're the one who said it. Yeah. I was just correcting your shot. Yeah, and I'll be, I'll be, uh, pointing at that poster, you know. How about you, Fuzzy Bridges? You know, and, uh, throwing a rock through it. When she'll be gone. Wrote the book, it was originally Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption. That is a completely useless piece of information that I totally dig that you shared. That is awesome. You and me, Trivial Pursuit. We would do I think well. it's funny that Stephen King wrote that, right? Because yeah. like Jamie and I used to always, when it would be on TV, turn on the Shawshank. Like you could start it mm. anywhere and just keep going. It was such a good movie. It's an amazing film. Yeah. Yeah, he wrote a bunch of prison stuff. He wrote, um, he also wrote, uh, what was only John Coffey. Oh, uh, yeah, The Green Mile. Oh, it's amazing as well. Yeah, he kind of went was through like a called, prison phase. That was actually called Rita Hayworth in the Green Mile when he uh, wrote the book. <laughs> yeah, I thought so. And John Coffey was originally going to be played by Tom Hanks. And then he ended up getting the other role. Are you serious? No. Good. Because I'm like, how do you have <laughs> Tom Hanks look like this big? Tom Hanks was originally going to play the mouse. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. It was cool. That I mean, you see it. It's like that movie Cats. The makeup job was amazing. Yeah. He's going to play the magic mouse. But anyways, I digress. Hey, welcome to the Church Planner Podcast. It's what we do. But we actually have a cool uh, show today to talk about and uh, not very much time to do it in. So uh, do you got any smack, Pete? Uh, I'm all smacked out. You know what? I pretty much was smacked when I was a baby. I, I don't got any smack. I got some blow, though. Will that do? Oh, wait. Sorry. What? what? Wow. That smack went blow. south. Well, that's one of the few times I think we should edit the podcast. <laughs> I, I don't know my drugs. I don't know. I don't know how it all works. Pete, Pete, you're talking again. This is why I talk during the podcast. These things happen. Uh, so, uh, yes. So, smack talk. Pete's muted himself, and now he's Good. saying, I'm sure things I said, uh, that... And everybody. <laughs> yeah, that's probably good. It's probably good judgment. So here we go, right? Uh, heading into the uh, the podcast, I want to talk about um, the topic. Uh, if, if you don't mind, should we go ahead and get into it? Because uh, I don't have any smack either. I didn't stab myself on the leg. Not, nothing nothing Great, major Scott. happened. It's time for this week's topic. Let's get down to the nitty-gritty. I used to love our soundboard. That was fun. Yeah. It, you know, have you ever had homemade marshmallows? No. Yeah, they're not good. There's a reason for that. So homemade marshmallows are not like Stay Puff. So I'm just saying, like, our homemade, our homemade sound clips, our sound bites are not bad, but they're also not great. Mm. So. I'm yeah. picking up what you're throwing down. Yeah. So, but hey, let, this topic is going to be great. So, let's talk about the uh, Mars Hill podcast, which uh, a few weeks back was number eight 
on iTunes, I think it's gone as high as number three wow. at any given time. It has done extremely well. And uh, I I have to say, I, I want to talk about that today because, um, you know, it, it's been a provocative and informative podcast. And I would say there was something in my spirit that wasn't sure about it. And then I was like, okay, I see where you're going here. I, I could maybe get behind this. And then I kind of pulled back to my original. In fact, I remember actually asking like, hey, are you guys taking advertising? Because I saw it climbing and I started to feel a little bit better about it when I was hearing it. Like, okay. And then I started to feel again like, no, I think my, I think my original uh, gut instinct on this thing was right. And I was a little torn. And I, I would talk to my friends and say, no, I think it's good that we have a podcast that, um, you know, talks about these dangers. And in that, I agree. Uh, but I've got some, some caveats here. So let's, let's back up and talk about what is the podcast. So the, uh, podcast is the rise and fall of Mars Hill. And it is kind of taken, uh, the podcasting, at least the Christian podcasting world by storm. It is the number one Christian podcast at the moment. Um, it is expertly designed. It has, I mean, they give the credits in or it must be like 15, 20 people working on this thing. Um, in fact, I mean, for two guys that run a podcast and just show up and talk and post it, it's kind of like, wow, there, there's a huge amount of stuff that you guys are doing. Like it almost kind of, you wonder, how is there that many people working on a podcast, right? It's kind of like screwing in a light bulb. How many people does it take to screw in a light bulb? But it is very well produced, right? It's, it's, it's structured well. It's got music. It's got voice clips and interviews they've done. And, um, it's a, it's a well designed product. Um, and it, and it chronicles the rise and fall of, uh, Mars Hill, which over its, you know, kind of, uh, 10 year, uh, rise to fame, Mark Driscoll at the helm, uh, creating a, um, a network called Acts 29, um, doing a great service to church planning. I mean, there's no, if you're a church planner today, you owe a little bit to Mark Driscoll, believe it or not. And, and that's something I think that is not popular to say. Um, but you've been influenced, whether you realize it or not. It's kind of like saying, I'm a Protestant, but you know, Martin Luther, that had nothing to do with me. Um, no, you may not have known Martin Luther, but you've been influenced by Martin Luther, um, more than you know. And uh, so best trolling I've ever seen done at a Notre Dame game. Someone held up a big uh, poster of Martin Luther. <laughs> that's so rad it was the best <laughs> troll ever at a Notre Dame game that's so good that's <laughs> so good oh my gosh and it's so wrong <laughs> so anyways um, so so kind of you know coming back to this whole idea of the podcast um, it, it tells a story of Mark Driscoll and how he was different it talks about his masculinity um, it would it would take some pages out of the book, uh, Jesus and John Wayne, which I've not read, um, but talks a lot about the toxic masculinity. And now, granted, these are all kind of opinions and, and what have you. Mark Driscoll provided something that was different and people rallied behind. Um, and, and the way that the podcast presents it 
it's trying to be balanced. It's trying to say things like, hey, now understand Mark Driscoll did a bunch of good. So it's trying to bring these points out. Um, but it's also saying, but there is a sense in which this machine grew and grew and grew. And even though there were warning signs that the machine was was breaking down, it was based on results, which is very much a part of the megachurch uh, movement. You look at results. So one of the things that they brought up was, you know, there were all these warning signs. Mark was saying things or behaving in a way and people didn't want to interrupt because, well, look how many souls are being saved and looked at, you know, uh, the number of baptisms and look at all these churches being planted. And so there was this reticence to recall the man or to to check him um, like like he should have been. And the podcast constantly brings out I want to I want to give the podcast it's fair dues on this. Like it will um, say things like, you know, now keep in mind, they, they brought this up this week. Keep in mind, it's easy to think Mark Driscoll's not like me. I'm different. I would never do this. And so I think they're trying to bring it back to, okay, hold on a second. Um, you know, this is about us. And it said that from the beginning, but in the beginning, my main issue with the podcast and this is still continuing to be my main issue um, for all of the good that it's being done. I actually feel it falls under the same critique of what they're saying about Mark Driscoll's ministry himself. Well, look at all the good it's doing. Never mind that it might be violating some New Testament principles here. I would say that the Mars Hill podcast, like I said, I was I was uncomfortable. And then I listened to a couple episodes and I thought, OK, I see Tell me what you're uncomfortable about. Right. I haven't I'll listened to, to the podcast. Yeah, no, no, no. I'll get to that. Um, but but what the what the podcast is saying, and this is where I'm going, um, it's saying that Mark Driscoll did a bunch of good, but there was a a problem under the surface that never got addressed. I would say that the podcast is guilty of the same thing. Namely, that the podcast is doing a bunch of good. It's raising some issues in American evangelicalism that haven't really been talked about. Um, but underlying there are problems with it um we're not asking the question of hey when is it okay this is my number one problem when is it okay to just rip on a dude like incessantly for 10 episodes of a podcast and rake this dude over the coals keep in mind this guy you know he had failures um he had um flaws he had things that are very easily criticized um, when you listen to the podcast, but it's kind of like, it's not any part that I've ever seen for, for a brother or believer where you are somehow instructed or okay to just whip them incessantly, right? Like, and this was his sin and this was his sin and this was his sin over and over and over. Like you've strapped him to the lashing post and every week, well, let's lash him some more. Let's talk about his weaknesses and failures for the good of the church. Well, there was one guy who was that whipping boy. There was one person who took all the lashes for the good of the church, and his name was Jesus. And I just see that, you know, putting Mark Driscoll um, up 
as exhibit A every week. Like, I don't mind if they have an episode talking or even a couple. Like, I started getting more and more uncomfortable. At first, it didn't seem right. Then I listened. Then I thought, okay, let's see where they go. Because they keep saying, we're talking about the church at at large. I thought they were going to branch out to, well, let's talk about uh, Bill Hybels now. Let's talk about, uh, who's the guy we met? Ted. uh, Ted. uh, Haggard. Haggard. Yeah. So they talk about him this week. Um, and, you know, and I started to think like it would be good to kind of move around a bit so that we're talking about how else is this displayed? What are some other danger signs? Where are some other movements that went wrong and what can we learn from it? I would welcome that podcast. I would absolutely love that podcast. However, um, it, it, it's getting too cringeworthy. For me, and it, and it started getting that way a few episodes in. Now I've continued to listen. Um, some people call it failure porn, right? Um, I've continued to listen more so, not, not so much like, ooh, I want to, like, I actually put it off for like quite a, quite a while. Um, and then I, and then I thought, I'm going to catch up and see where they go because I'm asked about it all the time. Um, I want to listen to it, but I, I come out from a very different opinion. I think than a lot of the people, because I, I got to stop and think Mark Driscoll is my brother in Christ. Never mind. I, d- I don't agree with him on certain things or he might have let people down or, you know, this and that. He he was, you know, they mentioned at the beginning, Mark Driscoll was fired for being a jerk. Right. But, you know, my Finnish carpenter who's been in the background, he actually knew uh, Mark Driscoll personally. Mm-hmm. I was like, brother, very few people ever called me up. And checked in on me and he did that regularly and would pray with me and encourage me. And for him, it's more personal. And we've had this really good conversation about it where he's like, you know, I, I it doesn't set right with me. And so he's probably been the only person that, um, that we see eye to eye on a little bit. And he's saying, because Mark is a real dude and he's over here right now in Arizona with this family, with his wife, he has kids. Is it really right that? All of Christendom right now is just beating the snot out of them on a podcast because it's difficult. It's difficult. If you're that guy, you just got to wonder, well, kind of the same criticism about Mark where they're saying, but if you're a Christ follower, how could you behave that way? I got to ask the same question in that podcast. If you're a Christ follower, how are you beating a brother, just bludgeoning him? And where do you see Jesus in that at all? If the issue was Mark's lack of Christ likeness, um, in leadership, how is that not being repeated in a podcast that continues to bludgeon this poor guy? Does that make sense? Yeah. Because you can point at all the people. Like they pointed um, one of the the really painful parts that they brought up this week was um, there was an interaction with a woman. Now, we all know I'm egalitarian. Um, I, I believe if you listen to Ministry Ninja podcast right now, you'll see we've just started a series on why – we're egalitarian and you know, it's sensitive. It's not, um, it's not like, Hey, you morons that are complimentarian. I came from that background. And so I'm very sympathetic to the line of thinking there and the, and the dedication to scripture. And yet, um, on the podcast, the ministry ninja podcast, I actually, um, kind of outlined the journey and some of the issues and some of the places where, okay, I changed and this is what changed here. And this is what helped me deal with this scripture. Um, this is how I came to understand it. And so it's very sensitive. But, uh, this week, um, 
you know, they deal with this thing where he, uh, online had, had come against the ordination of a woman in a particular denomination. And, uh, and then it chronicles their meeting and, and this and that. Um, and so, you know, some people will point, well, look what he did to others, of course, you know, and there's this lack of sympathy, this lack of, um, uh, really it, it almost seems like a lack of forgiveness to this dude. And then you, then you hear the stories like, well, he's over in Arizona. He's up to his tricks again. Like the media just jumped on that headline, right? Like here he is. He paid a security guard to, to stalk, you know, these people. And to me, I'm seeing maybe, maybe did this is hearsay. We don't know if that happens. And, and now granted, I was never part of 829. It wasn't my vibe. It's not my thing. Um, but I'm noticing um, that, you know, there, there's almost like this lack of forgiveness for this dude. And I'm seeing, hey, it's quite possible in Arizona, this is a disgruntled employee who's saying things that aren't entirely accurate or representative of what Mark Driscoll is actually doing. I don't know. What Mark I, I don't know about doing. that. I, I've told you before, I got a buddy, uh, a former client who uh, went to his church. And when all that stuff came out, he's like, I, I can't go through this again because he lived in a predominantly uh, Mormon part of Arizona. And he grew up, I want to say Catholic. And he goes, I had to deal with this all through high school, you know, defending the religion, defending all this stuff against all the Mormons. He goes, and now, you know, Mark Driscoll does all this stuff. He goes, no, I'm leaving his church. And he used to go yeah. to him. He's like, I yeah, it's hard though, right? Because right now I could probably drop almost any headline about Driscoll and people just believe it and jump on it. I could literally, I, I tell you right now, I can make up a headline about him, seed it to uh, various Christian media outlets. It would get printed and it would be 100% false. And so I'm not saying whether it's fault, true There's or a false. great book, by the way, called Trust Me, I'm Lying. Right. And, uh, and the guy is a PR guy and he basically explains, this is how we do it. Right. And that's exactly what he does. He makes up yeah. stuff and he goes to the little guy, the little news outlet, gives it to them. They don't check on anything. They run it. And then the next one up the ladder goes, oh, well, they ran it. So we're going to run it. And then it just keeps going up and up and up until finally someone checks on it and goes, oh, this is all fake. You know, and it's funny, too, because I'm watching this with great interest. What I've noticed is Mark Driscoll has not responded. He's aware he's the subject of a, of a podcast, and he's just ignored it. And, and part of me has to think the Mark Driscoll of the past that, that's being portrayed would not have disengaged. He would have been very vocal, quick to take to his platform, quick to. Right now, it's like he doesn't, Maybe he doesn't, doesn't want that from anymore. He has a platform, but he's he's not like he did. No, of course not. And definitely not the influence he had. But he seems to just be sticking to teaching the Bible. He has a fellowship in Arizona. He teaches the Bible and he stayed out of the drama. And I'm thinking, well, I don't know this dude's heart. I don't know where he's at. Um, And I'm not a fanboy of Mark Driscoll by any means. But I just got to say that says something right there that he's just, hey, whatever. I've, I've left it alone. You know, you guys are, are, are beating me. And, uh, that, that scripture in Isaiah, it says, Hey, like a, like a sheep before his shears was silent. So he opened not his mouth. Um, he's just been quiet. And, and to be honest, I'm watching that going, does anybody else see that he's just allowing himself to get beat? That's kind of different. 
That's not the Mark Driscoll we used to know. It kind of speaks to me that maybe this dude has repented of the things that this podcast. And I'm just saying we got to allow that, that, that possibility. Um, so these are the things that, that are a check in my spirit and soul. I just don't know of anywhere where it's okay for a dude to just be bludgeoned for his failures. Um, or where it's right and acceptable. There was that book years ago, um, Michael Cheshire wrote, which was called, um, why we eat our, why own. we eat our own, which was a phenomenal book yeah. that deals with this subject. And that's what we're doing. We're literally turning on this dude. We're cannibalizing. Mark by Chester. the way, where that came from the title of that book, he tells the story in the book, Michael Cheshire, that, uh, Ted Haggard had come up on the TV and he was out to lunch with a friend of his who was not saved. And he was basically going, he goes, what's wrong with you guys? And Michael's like, what do you mean? He goes, why do you guys eat your own? Like the guy repented and you just devour him and throw him by the wayside. And that's, that's very much, that's very much Christians. Yeah, absolutely. So here's the thing, man. Um, So this, but but my point isn't that. The unsaved notice it about Christians. They do. How unforgiving we can be. Well, and that's it, right? Like, how do we, how do we, and this is what I'm saying. I think the podcast right now is guilty of the thing that it's actually attacking Mark Driscoll for, which is a behavior that is uncharacteristic of Jesus or Christ. I believe in calling things out. I do. Um, but we're talking about something that happened a decade ago or not a decade ago, but like seven years ago. Right. Um, I mean, shoot, man, even, even by biblical standards, seven years statute of limitations for any debt or trespass. Right. Um, seven years on from Israel, man, you, you couldn't collect a debt. You couldn't like, it's time to move on. Right. So I get that, you know, uh, it's helpful to talk about things that are wrong in the church and challenge them and push back on them. I mean, this is, this was one of the things that, that was frustrating to me um, in regards to uh, like when, you know, um, you know, the, all this stuff was kicking off at black lives matter and is you couldn't talk about it in Christian circles, right. Or you couldn't talk about it in certain Christian circles. You couldn't call out the injustices without it, you know, immediately polarizing like it did in America, right? Which is what we do. We excel at that. Like we couldn't have honest conversations. Now at that time, I was working for Exponential and I had this um, unique opportunity to interview 85 leaders of color and actually have these honest conversations. It was called Divided No More. And you can you can go to Exponential and, and download it and there's some like Leon's Crump talking to him, him telling some of his experiences. And these are ministers. These are gospel ministers. They're like, look, I'm not a communist. <laughs> yes, I support uh, Black Lives Matter um, because on that issue, we have a problem. And do I support communism? Do I support all this other stuff? Uh, am I a socialist? No, but Here's the issue. And so they were very much, they were just having a conversation. And, and, and from the chair I was sitting in, 
Um, we even brought up like, hey, there's a bunch of baggage here. We don't want to do that. But what does the church need to be talking about right now? And unfortunately, we couldn't even have the needed and necessary conversations about injustice. And we needed to have those combos, even if we disagreed. I, you know, almost every leader of color that I interviewed, and that was Hispanic, Native American, Asian. Um, I mean, there was Sung Chang Ra. There was like all these different prominent leaders of different ethnic backgrounds who were sharing their frustrations and saying, you know, this, it's like the pressure pot's been boiling over for years and now we get to talk. But almost every one of them said, I don't mind if we talk and disagree. You know, I mean, that's life. We don't always disagree, but we can't talk about it. Like sometimes a, a couple enters into a relationship where they just can't talk about, you know, that that's when you're in trouble is when you can no longer talk about stuff. Or even have a conversation. So, so that was kind of cool. But anyways, getting to, um, I'm all for talking about things, but I'm just not in the let's flog Mark Driscoll business. I'm not into that. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody can take a punch or two, take it, take it on the chin in an episode or two. No, no problem. But when it gets past a certain level, it's like, dude, he's dead already. Like how many times you got to shoot that dead body? You know, like beating a dead horse. How many times, like, <laughs> Can't you see this man's dead, Jim? <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, uh, that made me laugh. So anyways, going into this week's episode, what's been happening recently on social media is um, people are starting to get a little bit annoyed with the recent episodes. Some of the comments coming out are, well, you know, um, uh, maybe this podcast ran its course, you know, covered the subject and maybe now it's done because it seems like the podcast is churning out more and more. They keep promising more episodes and people are saying, maybe we don't need more episodes now because what's starting to happen is a little bit of an overstepping, right? Um, they're getting into some waters that maybe their, their oars aren't quite long enough for, you know? Um, um, and, and so for example, um, I think it was, I don't remember what episode it was, might've been eight. But it was called Demon Hunter. It was called what? Demon Hunter. Demon Hunting, Demon Hunter. I listened to that episode. And this was this is where I was actually like, oh, okay. So this is like the zenith of the check in my spirit here. The episode was presenting um, the idea of Mark's claim to sometimes miraculous um, experiences, demonic experiences, or supernatural experiences. And it was equating that with a type of cultic, being a cultic figure, or being um, maybe manipulative. Now, those two things are not synonymous. You can mention, and they, in, in fairness, they interviewed Sam Storms, who is a Reformed theologian. Mike Cosper is Reformed. Um, they interviewed Sam Storms, who's a reform charismatic and Sam Storms very much gave support to Mark Driscoll back in the day. And he gives kind of a balance on the podcast, but there was just some, some nuances, inferences and subtleties on that episode. For example, um, Mark Driscoll talked about when he was counseling people, he would, um, he would see visions sometimes of things that people had done. In other words, he would get a prophetic word. And he's mentioning this from the pulpit, which, by the way, every once in a while, as long as it's not your main fare, 
I think it's good and helpful to mention. If you listen to this podcast, every blue moon will mention something supernatural. And that is because these things happen. They don't happen every day. Keep in mind that the book of Acts happened over a 30-year period. Um, this wasn't daily fare. In fact, there's one section of Acts where it says, and then uh, Paul's ministry was accompanied by a uh, period of supernatural. Um, uh, how did it say it? Uh, a season of extraordinary miracles. That's what it says. And that's where, and, and Luke pointed out, this was extraordinary. This wasn't normal. This was just a period. And that was the point where it says like people would touch rags to Paul and bring him back to sick people and they're healed. Well, of course, all the people on TV have a field day with that one, right? Uh, send me a hundred dollars and I'll send you a prayer cloth. Uh, not quite the same, right? But but Luke says, hey, these were unusual. They, they happened for a short season and he chronicles it. Well, Mark talks about, you know, some of these things that happen and and they kind of pick it apart, actually make it sound like it's a bad thing. Like in, in Cosper at one point says, um, now keep in mind, you know, this is very concerning. Mark is actually attributing the Holy Spirit to showing him pornographic type visions. Like Mark would uh, say that he had seen someone in an adulterous affair with great detail. And I get Cosper's um, concern. I get that it's gross. I get, but would the Holy Spirit ever do something like that? Yeah, he would. And and so what what became apparent to me is, you know, I've got this experience with this. And I've seen this. Um, I've had similar occurrences. People close to me have had similar occurrences. And in the scripture... We actually have occurrences of the the spirit. I mean, you got this whole section in your Old Testament called the prophets, where the spirit gives visions to the prophets of pornographic acts. Now, I'm not saying uh, these pornographic acts are, you know, like he's shown them pornography reels. Maybe it was somewhat muted. Mark doesn't go into detail about, you know, he doesn't say, I was shown pornography. What Mark says is, I was shown you know, this situation unfolding in the flash of an instant in my mind, I knew exactly what happened. I could call the details and say, wait a second, I'd be in marriage counseling and this lady had committed adultery on her husband. I said, well, what about that time in the hotel room with that guy with the blonde hair, the guy you met at the bar and boom, boom, boom. And, and the husband would look and say, did that happen? And she says, yes, that happened. And I've never told you about it. I have seen occurrences of this, right? So on that episode, I felt what Lloyd-Jones cautioned about years ago is he said, we must always be careful not to define our theology by the limits of our own experience. Now, when Lloyd-Jones said that, it was in the context of the Holy Spirit. He was going through joy unspeakable, and he also repeated it in, in the study on revival because he was tracing a theology that of something that is, again, extraordinary. Revival is extraordinary. Um, baptism of the Spirit isn't totally common, probably should be more common than it is. But Lloyd-Jones said people often define away by their theology what they have not personally experienced. And we need to be careful with that. So I'm listening to this going, well, no, but that did happen in the Bible. Mark's not quoting Ezekiel here, but that stuff happened in the Bible where um, 
you know, the priest, uh, the priest, Ezekiel sees the vision of the temple and the priests are doing disgusting things, he says in there. Uh, he sees through the wall. He sees what's going on behind closed doors and it's gross and it's pornographic. Um, so, and, you know, funny enough, the scripture does actually tell you what happened that the pornographically the priest did that even back in, uh, the sons of Aaron, right? When they offered strange fire, sons of Eli, um, or sorry, not sons of Aaron, um, sons of Eli that they did that. And so when I look at this, it wasn't theologically problematic to me, but what was discouraging to me was often in the reform circle, you don't have um, as much of the experiences of things. Like he, at one point, he talks about deliverance ministry. And there's a woman that comes on, they interview her. And, you know, my heart really went out to her because I got where she was at. She's questioning now her whole experience. She came in, she was possessed. I mean, it seems very obvious she was possessed by the account that they tell. Um, she shares her story and she describes what it was like for her. But now she's doubting what actually happened in hindsight. And the podcast makes it sound like Mark Driscoll engineered it or um, manipulated her. And yet she, now that she's reflecting back on it, she's got those same questions, which for many people that are, are demonically possessed, it's, it's confusing. I don't think they could fully understand what's going on. Could you manipulate somebody psychologically? Of course, you can manipulate people however you want. But in any exorcism I've been, I've always been more passive, right? I, I assume it's mental illness as, as first stage. So... When when she talks about it, she actually comes back to it and says, but it was the most transformational event of my life. I changed after that day, you know, um, and it was a deliverance, you know, type exorcism. And so what I had a problem with is it was almost like a, a rational, um, deconstructive, uh, almost cessationist exposition of a charismatic event. And I felt like on the podcast, okay, you guys overstepped this time. Um, you, you, I felt this overstepping all, the, all, all along the way as we continue to bludgeon one dude. But now, like, just something felt so wrong to me as I was listening. And people in social media circles are starting to, to, to kind of echo this because – I would say now that um, you, you will lose the sympathy of people if if you start overstepping and start actually pointing because I had no issue with what was shared. And I actually felt that that poor woman that was on there, I felt that you can hear the confusion in her own testimony as she's sharing where she still she can't figure it out. Because when a leader falls and a leader has been used by it like that, um, people start to question the validity of everything including their salvation, right? Uh, anybody who is ordained by Mark probably question, well, was I ordained by a madman? Was I, you know, everybody starts to question everything. And um, any Christian growth you had, you, you look back on, it seems tainted. And that's the song that they play at the very beginning. The, one of the, the worship leaders from King's Kaleidoscope, he actually is singing, was I, you know, was I this, was I that? He's, he's deconstructing his experience now in hindsight. Um, 
and so it it can be very dangerous. And uh, and I would just say, um, from that end, the, the the podcast it can do harm. It can actually do harm that if you start telling people that these supernatural experiences, these words of knowledge, these um, that they're manipulative, um, or if you if you feel something is a demonic attack, right? Um, that you start to feel like, well, because Mark Driscoll saw everything, even when his uh, abuses were being challenged, he saw this demonic attack. Well, are there legitimate demonic attacks? Or do we now, after listening to the podcast, think, well, if I'm criticized, it can't be demonic. Well, of course it can still be demonic attack. I'll guarantee you, God was working through Mark. Satan was attacking Mark. <laughs> and at times, Satan was using Mark. Does that make sense? Yeah. Those three things can all be possible. It does not have to be either or. I mean, we definitely see that in the case of David. You know, God was using David. Satan was attacking David. And guess what? Satan used David when David did the wrong thing. And he he actually uh, did a, uh, a censor uh, or, or a, is it not censor? Um, census of the people. And it caused a plague to sweep through Jerusalem and killed thousands of people. Were all three things true at the same time? Yes, they were. Well, I also remember that story of David when uh, I, I don't remember it exactly. You would, Pastor. Um, the the crazy guy came and was starting to like shout at him. And so they were going to take him away. And David was like, no, 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 let him speak because maybe he's got something I need to hear. Like, even though the right. dude is crazy, he still might have something that I need to actually hear. Right. I mean, I mean, Satan could be attacking you through certain criticisms and God could be speaking to you through others. I mean, that's what the prophets were, right? We got to always remember God puts people around us to challenge us. Um, I got challenged on something yesterday where somebody just saw a character flaw in me and they were super gentle about it and shared about it. I, I just right away had to say, yeah, I do that. And they were so gentle. They made it easy. But I was like, yeah, I do that. That's one of my weaknesses. Dude, I am I'd be happy to share with you all your character flaws that I see. I think you have. <laughs> You've shared all my character flaws with me. <laughs> Publicly on the podcast. <laughs> you know, and here's the thing, too. I mean, just in that vein, guys, I might be off. I might be wrong. I'm not I'm not saying I'm sharing you with with you my struggles that I've been having with that podcast. I'm not saying I'm 100% right. I'm a guy that's just struggling through it, limping along like you, trying to figure it out, but something not feeling right to me. And I can't exactly put a finger on it, but with that with that Holy Spirit thing on the uh, on the podcast, I think that, that one actually felt dangerous to me because it felt a little bit more like, oh, be careful when you're speaking about the Holy Spirit here, because uh, there was nothing I saw wrong on that podcast with what happened. So, but that's just me. But, you know, Pete, when you're listening to all these podcasts, um, <laughs> knowing that you listen to podcasts, as you do, um, what, how do you get your bookkeeping done for your church plant? You know, it's uh, it's funny that you should ask because uh, I was just speaking with Josh Henry over at SimplifiedChurch.com yesterday, as what? a matter of fact. Do you, did he mention me? Uh, he said... Where's that that tall bald guy? And I said Chris Lingham. And he goes, No, uh, uh, the other one, the short bald guy. Yeah. Oh, okay. Was that was that a little? Uh, 
That was all right. No, no I liked it. You said tall, and then I liked it. You was I doing a little uh, little dig there? I mean, a little personal. You flaw were, but but we know we had our talk this week, right? When I talked about the other guests that are the other co-host, right? Right. I mentioned what, I mentioned one say? of his best attributes. I don't even ginger. Well, yeah, you said he was a ginger, dude. I love that picture where the the two tigers are, are in the zoo and the little kitty. Same ginger color. power, am I right? Yeah, yeah. Ginger power, am I right, guys? Am I right? Pound it out. That was so good. That was so good. I use simplifychurch.com. Yeah, and you should, Pete. Not only that, you should also use sermonboss.com. You know what sermonboss.com is, Pete? Uh, I don't know, but it sounds like they're the boss. They're the boss of your sermons, whether they're found on podcasts or YouTube. When people come to your site, Pete, you don't want to send them away. You want to keep them there so they can continue to consume more content from your site. In order to do that, you need the plugin sermonboss.com provides. And that's it. We're out of here. We've satisfied our sponsors. We know we haven't satisfied our listeners, but hey, that's okay. You stayed the whole time anyways. <laughs> so thanks for joining us for the Church Planner Podcast. This has been Peyton Jones and Pete Mitchell reminding you, if you want to reach the ones nobody's reaching, you got to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. See you next time. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Thank you.